This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Welcome to another episode of the HR in Review pod. I'm your guest host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Doug Field OBE, joint CEO over at the East of England Co-op. As joint CEO, Doug protects and nurtures the members' legacy for this generation and the next. He's passionate about living and working in the East of England and has previously been chair of New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership and chair of their Agri-Food Industry Council. Doug became a trustee of Green Light Trust in December 2020 and is currently vice chair there. He was awarded an OBE in the 2021 New Year's Honours list. I really do get to chat with some fancy people, folks, uh, for his work supporting businesses across Suffolk and the beautiful county that is Norfolk. Outside of work, Doug has three school-aged children that keep him awake and active, allowing him to unleash his imagination. If you haven't checked out Doug's profile picture on LinkedIn, folks, um, I'd strongly check, uh, urge you to do that because uh, that just shows what an exciting and active guy Doug is, and I'll just leave it there. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show today. Yeah, really looking forward to it, Bill. Delighted to be here. So, Doug, you're a joint CEO. That's an unusual structure at the top of a business. Tell me about the division of leadership responsibilities at the top of Co-op East of England. Yeah, no, you're right. It is an unusual structure. We've got um, currently three JCOs, as we call it, in, in post, and we've got our own sort of specialism. So my specialism is finance, but I've also got responsibility for technology and the people team, sort of HR. And at the moment, I'm also covering our funeral business. Um, we've got my colleague Nick who looks after the investment property area and a few ancillary things like building services. And we've got Neil, or spelt spelt Nile, but pronounced Neil, who looks after membership and marketing. And then we've got the retail function, which covers food, travel, petrol filling stations as well. So yeah, quite a broad, broad spectrum, really. Okay, thank you very much. Let's talk a little bit about uh, leading. From the top down, Doug, what, what, what's your leadership style to ensure that direction from the top gets shared with all of your employees? That's a really good question, isn't it? And it's it's a, a continual challenge when you've got three and a half, three thousand eight hundred colleagues to get that sort of that message across and consistent. But personally, I'm a real big fan of the sort of model coach care style that um, Satya Nadal at Microsoft does, and I think that sort of that model coach care approach can really sort of have a really good. Um, impact on the business i'd never ask anybody to do something i wouldn't be prepared to do myself follow us on twitter at hr review or join us on linkedin and facebook join the conversation at hr in review today can you break down that coach care model a wee bit for our listeners for those who are not familiar with it yeah it's just, so so you model the behaviors you want to see you coach your behaviors you're looking for and you genuinely care for your colleagues and and team so it's literally sort of that sort of empathetic leadership style, really, but collaborative, open, being prepared to listen and and react to that as well. And I think that's a big lesson that we all took from the pandemic, eh? Um, and a need to be more more empathetic and a need to be more authentic, a need to be more human. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's you know, does that everyone's talks about how people how you make people feel, and that and it's all down to that, isn't it? Whatever you might say, is about how you make people feel, and are making sure that you're um, you're genuinely interested, genuinely care. 
Okay, Doug, so I get it. You're a nice guy and, and you lead in that fashion. So well done, sir. Have you had mentors in your career that have shaped your leadership style? No, that's an interesting question. I've had quite a varied career. I was originally in professional services and had some really interesting. So I was in professional services firm PwC and before that a number of accounting firms. But I very much tried to learn from everybody, a bit like a sponge. But some of my clients were amazing. So one of my clients was was Dyson, the, the vacuum cleaner manufacturer. And so I met Sir James Dyson on numerous occasions, which was really interesting. Um, the work at the Local Enterprise Partnership, the LEP, was really interested in working with leaders across business and public sector. And it's all they all help shape your approach. I take things from everyone. No one particular mentor springs out, but just sort of soaking up nuggets of information. And then the key challenge is with all this knowledge is actually applying it. And I'm a big fan of podcasts and books, but I always struggle to apply what I learn in terms of I take a lot in and it's hard to get everything applied. But yeah, I think there's so many, um, met so many great people who I've learned a lot from. If you enjoy the HR and Review podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. This helps others find us and grow our community of HR and related professionals. And what about if people at, at the co-op come to you looking for, for guidance, looking for, for mentorship? Do you always try and make yourself available? Are you the sort of open door policy type leader? Yeah, no, absolutely. We've got an open plan office and I'm, I'm stood up. I often stood up. We've got standing desks. I'm a big fan of a standing desk. So yeah, stood up, make yourself available. It's interesting though, because at my direct reports, one of the questions I ask is, um, and it comes from Adam Grant, who said, if you want real feedback, you've got to ask for a score of one to 10. And none of this, just try and get the, the words. So I asked my team, do you get the support from me? You need to perform at your best on a consistent basis. And interestingly, I got I got four eights and three of the eights were all about saying um, that sometimes I'm too busy. And I said, have I ever not helped you? And they all say no. So it's interesting, isn't it? They people trying to look after you because they think you're busy rather than act what the reality is, but always willing to help, always willing to sort of do what I can to help them really. And I'm assuming that was an anonymous survey there, Doug. Oh no, I did Okay. So owned by its members with over 260,000 of them, the East of England's cooperative society is the largest independent retail business in East Anglia with more than 200 trading outlets located in over 70 towns and villages throughout Norfolk, Suffolk and Essex. I did mention to you in our emails, I'm a big fan of your selection of cheeses and wines, sir. so good job mm -hmm. there. Uh, talk a little bit about Co-op's unusual business model, which is owned well, and controlled by its members. I would ask, is it unusual? There's over 3 million cooperatives around the world. They employ over 280 million people and and cooperative members represent at least 2% of humanity. So is it really that unusual? But it is, I suppose, in the UK, it is a bit unusual. We're a consumer cooperative, so we're owned by our members, our shoppers who work with us. And they, members join for a pound and they get a share of the business and that qualifies them for, at the moment, we pay a dividend based on their purchasing. So the more, the more you spend, the more you get back. And they... They have the option to democratically elect our board of directors. So the 16 directors 
and they got a cycle of four years. So we're recruiting potentially four new directors a year. So thousands of our members vote on that. And then the other thing with the cooperative really linked to the food business is that retail cooperatives that all club together for a, to form a buying group, a federal organisation. So that's where we work with other cooperatives, the co-op group, Central England, Mid-Counties, Lincolnshire, Southern, Channel Islands, all to get the best possible buy-in power so we can have lower prices for our members, really. Doug, we've been living through this period over the last year, 18 months, the war for talent, they've called it, Doug. Uh, there have been various yeah. other terms. The Great Resignation is another one. The Great Reshuffle is, is another one as well. Um, talk just a little bit about the challenges that you guys have faced in terms of recruiting people. And maybe as part of your answer as well, you can uh, get your crystal ball out from under your desk there and, and suggest if things are going to change over the next 12 months in the UK, we're, we're, we're staring down the barrel of a recession for the next four quarters. That might mean that it's easier to attract people, perhaps. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? That's a really, really wide ranging question. I suppose just to give a bit of context, we've got um, around 3,800 colleagues across our family of businesses, which includes food stores, post offices, petrol stations, funeral branches, travel agents, security business. We've got an events team. We've got a property team. And we've got all these sort of associated central support teams that help support our frontline colleagues. We're seeing different challenges in different businesses particularly struggling at the moment to recruit in the funeral business, whereas in the past that has been a really big, easily, one a real area of people wanted to work. But at the moment, we are seeing across all our businesses more applications and vacancies, so that is encouraging. But I think the challenges are just dependent where we've struggled a little bit is it's specialism, some of our IT technology area, because that's where a big sort of technology piece really looking after our food stores. But it is a, um, I mean, in terms of the crystal ball looking, that's a um, brave person puts their, puts their neck on the block on that one because I think there's a lot, a lot of uncertainty. Employment's high. People are leaving the workforce as opposed to some of the challenges. And as you say, the cost of living crisis, inflation over 10%. People are, um, are considering their future. But from our perspective, we have a business, we're an organisation that's been around for 150 years and we work on that stability. We want to be around for another 150 years. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to nurture that legacy for our members, really. Okay, there we go, HR Review listeners. I think we just had an exclusive. Uh, Co-op have an exit plan in 150 years. So watch watch this space there. Um, Doug, how do you use data to help inform your colleague journey processes? Oh, we're, um, I'm an accountant by trade, so I'm a big champion of data. and. A lot of that is about asking the right question to get true, actionable insight. That is passion of mine, really. And we've looked into our colleague turnover numbers as an example. And because we have we have quite a high number of levers because generally part of the retail industry, we've got seasonal workers, student workers. Um, but what we did do by looking into that data, that and our turnover runs on average about 27, 25%, 27%. But if you look, drill into that, the first year turnover, I think it was over 10% higher at 38%. So we've been able to focus our efforts on making sure we get the right people in who aren't going to leave after a year. So that's that's how we use data and then look at each part of the process, really, but use it and try and get in, information that we can in action and do something with. 
Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. In terms of your HR team, uh, are you are you uh, very keen on their focus being on the data side of things, uh, understanding and making decisions based on the people analytics as opposed to you know, more traditional, subjective, relationship-based decisions? I oh, know. I think we've got to cover all – we've got to cover everything there. You've got to have both. You know, one without the other isn't going to work. So it's a combination of things. We need people to understand what's going on on the ground. We need people out and about. Yes, we need to use data to help the sort of the big picture and not get distracted from one person's view, but it is a combination of things. We've got – you know, we want to – you know, data doesn't have the answer to everything because some of the things you do it haven't been done before. Doug, you batted that one out of the park. That that could have been a tr- tricky one, but that's a great answer. Um, now then, uh, Doug, you've been uh, kind and gracious enough to agree to speak at the uh, the relaunch of the Disrupt HR Norwich chapter. Uh, so we're, we're starting off uh, myself and a wonderful lady called Julie Bishop. We're uh, we're the new organizers of the Disrupt HR Norwich chapter. I'm also involved with the London and Cambridge chapters. And you've kindly agreed to speak at our relaunch meetup. We're we're expecting 50, 60, 70 people, something like that. It's a cool cocktail bar in central Norwich. If you're if you're in that part of the world, listeners, please do come along. It's free, but you've got to sign up in advance. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your session and some of the hoped for learning outcomes? Mm-hmm. Yep, no, I've been desperately trying to finish the presentation, really, So, but I haven't quite managed that. But, yeah, I think it's going to cover a lot of what we discussed today, really, Bill. But um, I think a lot of it, the learning outcome, is you know, the need to continually adapt and find out what works across each business is unique. Each business has got its unique challenges. But I suppose the one, the one big message for me is the importance of line manager capability. And I say that in the context that we've got 3,800 colleagues, of which – across spread out over 200 plus outlets so you know and that's that's a really big area of focus for us and it's stuff that's come out of the data and our sort of colleague engagement survey a real area a real opportunity for us to further improve our sort of engagement with our colleagues okay let's delve into that a little bit more what, what are you guys doing to develop your your mid managers your, your your line managers so to speak are, are you guys offering one-on-one coaching is it on, online coaching do you do group coaching there what, what what are the directives and the training available well it's a massive we're, we're very much in a transition phase at the moment so we've made some changes within the the field management structure to be more coaching led so that's good to be that sort of coaching area so that change of mindset will be will be huge and just look to streamline the processes so there's more and more time for them to have that relationship with the individuals we've got a lot of big program on well-being we work in partnership with Suffolk Mind and that's all about developing rapport and having those one really getting under the skin of things so a number of things like that we're very much in a transition phase but we recognize that is where we can have the most impact I think Okay, it sounds like we need to do a follow-up interview next year, Doug. Hey, the next two questions are questions that we ask of all of our guests, okay? And and the first of those goes as follows. If you could pass on one crucial lesson that you've learned in your career in one minute or less, what, Bill, I couldn't possibly in one minute or less, uh, what would be your top tip for HR pros and for leaders? Okay, I think um, when I took over the HR function a few years ago, the head of HR said to me that the HR is a gift that keeps on giving, which I think of 
has been demonstrated to me over the past few years. But um, I think on a serious note, a top tip is just to be curious and ask questions. Asking what you think can be a stupid question can often reveal some really surprising insight. And and I think asking questions is and being curious is is fundamental to being able to be um, good at what you do. As a podcast host, I, I couldn't help but agree with that one, Doug. Um, and well done. That was definitely in under a minute. Good work, sir. Good work. Uh, the, the next answer, feel free to take as long as you like. Uh, and it is as follows. What is the single biggest change that you think will happen in HR and leadership over the next five to 10 years? That's a great question. And I asked a few people in the office yesterday when I was thinking about this. And I, I think really it's about individuality. Everyone's unique and we've gone from that sort of the way the world is changing i think understanding everybody and what 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 motivates them what inspires them what gives them meaning and you know the impact of digitalization you know you can see that some people prefer being in the office some people prefer being hybrid some people prefer being face to face what is the environment that individuals are going to thrive in and working that out in the concept of teams and creating high performance teams is it's going to be really interesting over the next five to ten years in my mind and that sort of balancing individuality with teams is is going to be really really interesting there we go i knew that that crystal ball worked doug um hey just finally for today and i can't believe the interview's already coming to a close but just finally for today how can our listeners connect with and learn more about you whether that's uh linkedin email twitter instagram snapchat maybe you're all over tiktok who knows oh um, Yep, not on Be Real yet, which is a new one, I understand. But um, now I think I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. Um, from the East of England Co-op perspective, our website's got a wealth of information about us and what we do. But yeah, LinkedIn is my area. And as you say, my profile picture is currently of a skydive, but before that it was a firewalk. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, that just leaves me to say for today, Doug, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR in Review pod. I'm looking forward to getting to meet you on in person on November 3rd. Uh, listeners, I'm, I'm flying back to Toronto uh, that, that day. So I'm going to get in the morning and then we've got the evening event. So uh, that was that was a heck of a decision on my part. I'm hoping I get a few hours before I come along, um, but it's going to be great fun. Uh, we've got Doug, we've got Andy Wood over from Adams will be speaking as well. And again, if you're in the area, sign up, come along, network, have fun. Hey, Doug, thanks very much. Thank you, Bill. Really enjoyed it. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.